Welcome to the Business, Wealth and Mindset Podcast. Your space for real motivational interviews and cutting-edge business content to inspire your positive mental attitude. And now, your host, Alex Sopala. All right, so, yeah, thank you very much for coming on to our podcast, Derica. Um, it's, uh, this is just, uh, like, like I said, just a general uh, chat, you know. Think yourself as you've got your, your copy on the side and it's just like, uh, you know, a social context and uh, sharing your story and uh, taking us through the journey of uh, yeah. uh, who Derica is, you know, all the, um, the successes, the challenges, the journey from childhood up to now. And everything yeah. else in between and the lessons. So we'll just, um, like I said, just uh, take it through. Think of it in a chron- chronological order of, uh, you know, where, when, when, you're, when you're born and where and the siblings, the family. And then as we as we progress, we'll pick it up from there and, uh, and just uh, clarify any further details and uh, the lessons, the challenges and everything else in between. Is that, does that sound okay? Yeah, yeah, sounds good, good. Yeah, so take us through, who is Derica? Where, where were you born? Who are, who are you and the family and the siblings? So start us off from there. <clears throat> All right, uh, so um, yeah, I'm Derica, uh, born in Malawi. Uh, Blantyre in 1986. Um, mm-hmm. I had two sisters. Um, yeah, I think uh, in my early life, uh, at some point, I came to England briefly uh, with my with my parents when my father was pursuing further studies. So he's an architect. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, yeah, I stayed here for four years or so, and uh, then went yeah. back to Malawi. That's when the rest of that's where the family grew. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah, we uh, we lived uh, mostly in Ilongwe. So I went to primary school uh, in Ilongwe at uh, Walani, and then mm-hmm. I went to Bishop Mackenzie. After that, I went to the International School of South Africa. So I did my secondary school in South Africa, as well as my tertiary education, where I went to um, the Midwood Graduate Institute and later on the University of South Africa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so which yeah. I studied business admin and human resources. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, so quite, quite, quite a, quite a journey, then. So yeah, <laughs> I had to clear my throat. So what are your 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 childhood memories then of growing up in Blanta? Which which part of Blanta were you were you? In, uh, in I. I I didn't grow much. I think it was I left Blanta quite young, quite so young. most of my yeah, but most of my memories are in Lilongwe. Where I yeah, I think I mm-hmm. was in since I was maybe seven, 
six, yeah. seven is, yeah, I've been in a long way. Yeah, and yeah. Mm. yeah, I think that's where I made uh, a lot of friends. Um, I remember, yeah, uh, throughout primary, um, some I'm st trying to reach out to, we still talk now. And mm -hmm. um, I think we lived in simpler times where we all just played outside. Lots yeah, of cousins. Okay. Yeah, I grew up really? with a lot of cousins. <laughs> yeah. A lot right. of cousins yeah. and family. Mm. Yeah. Um, so and I think, and, nice uh filled with uh simplicities of life i guess um yeah and, and yeah good, good yeah and well, yeah yeah mm -hmm. cool yeah so are you, are you um, the, the the older of the three sisters or are you yes yes so i'm the first born uh mm -hmm. i'm the first born in my family so I was yeah. the, the the responsible older sister. So you, you carry the torch, um, yeah. everyone has to look up to yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> um, apparently. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I, yeah. So I was the mm. uh, responsible older sister. Um, mm. I grew up uh, mostly in area 10, uh, yeah. that, where my parents still are up until now. Mm. Um, I think yeah, I, I grew up a fairly comfortable life uh, by Malawian standards. Um, yeah. So I got to experience uh, a lot of things. Uh, being in Malawi and a bit of travel outside mm -hmm. what you know life is. So yeah, uh, I think I had a, an, a good exposure, well-rounded, um, ex good experiences when I was. Uh, from childhood, yeah, up until yeah. now, I guess, yeah. And uh, do, do you remember your your brief time that you were in the UK, in, in that time when you were young? Do you remember much? Probably I, not I much. think I only remember a birthday party. <laughs> <laughs> I was very young, so I think the only yeah. thing I remember was a birthday party. Yeah. Uh, um, but mostly it's what people tell me how when I when we came back to Malawi, because I came first with my dad, we left my mom yeah. for a bit. Um, so I remember apparently I was afraid of flies. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, we went to a relative's house where, you know, they, you know, in Malawi, in celebration, they wanted to kill a chicken for us. Yeah. So the guy, so the guy, the gardener was chasing the chicken and I was running after him. And then when I saw him kill it, apparently I was frantic and ran to my dad. And, <laughs> and I didn't understand why they were doing this. So yeah. I also, wow. yeah, briefly remember going to the village, um, my, my dad's village in Cholo, mm. I think when we had just arrived mm -hmm. uh, and meeting my grandma and so many you know just so many people who were like oh we're related to you and i yeah. think yeah i think um those right. are the few memories of around that time but living here no not a lot not not much okay and uh i mean your your, your parents family are they relatively large families because i know in malawi you get uh, like i mean from my father's side i think there was uh, nine of them and then my mother was eight of them you know that time growing up in malawi you have these large families with it 
similar to you like on yeah yeah i think my parents uh families the normal narrative they both grew up in big families i think yeah. on my mom's side she grew up in a household of i think seven yeah and my father yeah. about eight so <laughs> it's the norm i think uh their narrative was the uh, mm. my dad was you know came from uh was grew up in the village yeah and you know was chosen to go to the polytechnic yeah um yeah. my mom they grew they had a farm in impemba and both her parents were teachers mm. um so it was slightly different but a similar narrative still yeah uh, her mom was a teacher and her her dad was a inspector of schools mm -hmm. okay. uh, so but yeah they grew up in the i think the the the, the usual story that you hear in malawi that parents tell you and yeah. so the, i think that's where the many cousins come from yes absolutely yeah. okay so those are large families so with the cousins and everyone else did you all like get along you know each other very well yeah i think on the on the most part um we do know each other uh especially i think uh, the the immediate cousins yeah uh definitely like my 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 parents siblings kids yeah um we we know each other well and i think also uh especially on, on my mom's side it spans even as far as second cousins because we had mm -hmm. a, a matriarch who just passed i think uh, probably last month my mm -hmm. great my great grandmother yeah so mm -hmm. i think having her it gelled so like my mom's uh my mom's cousins their yeah. kids so on that side i think a lot of us know each other because we had that um matriarch that uh, yeah. she lived up to 104 i think yeah wow. that's uh, that's so, quite a, quite a good age she had a, a good innings as they say <laughs> yeah yeah so so i think yeah um i think i would survive having just my cousins as friends because there's so many of them yeah <laughs> and, wow. and relatives yeah mm. and that, are they relatively all over the the um the world or are you are they mostly back in malawi are some here or in other countries yeah, a few a few are here um most of them are in malawi though yeah uh, but there are some here so i think i have who is i guess my mom's cousin but she's around mm. my age group so call, i just call her my cousin yeah also my immediate cousin so yeah there's there's there's, there's not yeah there's some here but most yeah. most of them in malawi yeah, yeah. okay good. Yeah. good so uh just uh you know growing up did you have um like an idea of uh what you wanted to do or what you wanted to be or something that was a uh, of a particular interest to you that was going to drive you in a particular direction either career-wise or travel-wise do you recall anything yeah to be honest um 
I may have not known exactly what I want to do, but all I knew is whatever profession I go to, I want to travel luxuriously, not backpacking. (laughs) Um, I want to, you know, have live a comfortable life and, uh, you know, meet people, talk to people. So especially one-on-one, strangely enough, I'm not much of a public speaker, but I do Mm -hmm. like interacting with people on a on a one on one basis. So at first, I want I thought I wanted to do psychology, mm. uh, and then I, I think I think I went I did a, a general business degree because I was just like trying to gauge, uh, yeah, where I want to be. And eventually, I think mm. I decided to do HR because I was like, hey, you know, you get to. <laughs> I guess, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's not just the hiring and firing. There's so many dimensions to it. <laughs> to HR, okay. Yeah, and I would want to do the more, the nicer part of HR. The nicer part, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, did, you, did, you, did you have people particularly driving you towards, like, the, your choice of uh, uh, study and career, or was this just from your own uh, things or values, that things that were important to you in terms of what you wanted to do did you, did you have uh, any guidance or mentors or career career mentors or parents mainly? I, I think with parents it's mostly that you expected to go to uni so <laughs> you know uh they were never they'll never tell you exactly where to go but yeah. i think um growing up especially being the first born it was like whether you figured it out or not you have to find yourself in uni (laughs) somehow yeah and uh i think it to be honest i think the time i i had focused myself properly is when i started working Mm, yeah um uh and i think when i was going to uni at at some point I was, you know, still not very sure. So I was like, okay, let me just do a business degree. Yeah. And um, my first job was in government at the human resource department. And we were doing uh, gender mainstreaming in human resources. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there are those, I guess there's certain careers that don't have a name, you know, yeah. <laughs> but you get into it once you're in it. I think, yeah, I think my experience there, I enjoyed it. Um, uh, I really enjoyed that. It was a niche department. It was new. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, it was a very interesting experience for me. And I think that's something that uh, I've always said that I want to go into, you know, developmental work or, you know, issues that deal with gender and whatnot. But it doesn't have to be an NGO or grassroots. It can be in the workplace. Mm. You know, I think now with the trend these days, there's that realization that, oh, now it hit me. I was like, wow, when we're doing gender mainstreaming, it's really yeah. needed yeah. in the policies that you, you, you come up with. Uh, you know, you have to have the lens for it. So uh, at that time, it wasn't a big thing or some people didn't understand. Like yeah. they thought, oh, that of gender then like no it's like yes there's the grassroots stuff but we have women in the workplace 
Mm. We have to mm. look at it in a certain lens. Do our policies are they are they friendly? I mean, and I mean, I could actually go on about how, especially in the rural setting, how certain jobs in Malawi are mostly male-dominated just because of where they are and they don't yeah. address certain issues, and that's why it's not attractive to to women. So, mm. yeah. yeah. Uh, my yeah. So my focus came once I started working. I started working. So that was like the initial sort of grounding yourself to the world of uh, you know working and, uh, and 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 all of that. So um, how did you move on from from that that work? And how long did you work there? And then what happened next? Uh, so I worked uh, at the, the the department for four years. Mm-hmm. Um, I started as an intern, then eventually they took me on. And then later on, I think in 2011, I got married, I decided to get married. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Malawians are like, oh, now you have to. So my husband was based in Blanca. And mm-hmm. they said, oh, you have to move and go. Mm-hmm. But now <laughs> my job was very, it was a new department. Like literally we were the, the first uh people in it were implementing it, were setting, you know, planting the seeds. So mm-hmm. it was not mainstream government. So even then, I remember our PS, my PS at the time said, um, because I hadn't even experienced mainstream HR mm-hmm. that time, is like, I don't really know where to place you because your, your role is specific to this unit. Yeah. So I pretty much had to quit. And, and uh, yeah, I moved to Blantyre and that's where I started a family. And basically I had to start again, yeah. trying yeah. To, to build a career. And, but you know, I think that was a challenge. I think that was a challenging time in my life because mm. uh, I, th- I, think, I think I was unemployed after that for the next four years. Yeah. So I, I couldn't, yeah, I, I couldn't just be placed in an HR role because I didn't have the basic. I was too specific. My role is very specific. Yeah. And also, you know, the job market in Malawi, or you know, it's um, it, it's 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 a challenge for a lot of young people. I think it's it's a, a something you hear about all the time, or straight out of school, and you can't find anything. Mm, yeah. So that's funny enough that is when i dis- when i experienced the, the challenge of oh it's difficult to find jobs in yeah. so yeah yeah um, i think yeah later on i found this and that i did find some work one for a company that was literally closing down two months after i joined (laughs) (laughs) they are not closing down because of you joining is it (laughs) no no it was a national lottery company uh, and i think they figured Mm. they were not making money and they just wanted to leave you know yeah did you know they were closing down before you joined them no it was a surprise to everyone literally we were all told like i think a week before oh i think it was a new company those high turnover that's a whole story for another day where yeah. the, the government policies to to you know new certain businesses or companies coming into how are they regulated i think they're not always mm. well regulated mm. 
apart from the you know the the bigger ones but even then so this one literally they came in said oh you know i think they hadn't they were almost completing their tax-free five years or something and mm -hmm. then they're like hey let's cut our losses and yeah. most of the employees at the time uh, i think the longest serving had been there for like two years mm. so a lot of us were fairly new because there's always high turnover they had issues anyway yeah um so yeah they pretty much overnight up and left <laughs> mm. wow. and then uh, i think then that's when i i was expecting my first child so i was like hey you know took the time off to take care of my kid yeah, yeah. Mm. and uh yeah <laughs> so, so i mean this uh thinking back through that journey you know of, uh, doing your uni studying your degree and then working for four years and then having to move to um be with the family in blunter is there any anything that when you look back where like either key lessons that you learned or things that uh, you think you may have done differently you learned from them like with, with hindsight or things if the things that work out in a particular different way or if you, something that you wish you would have known or which could have driven you in any particular different direction or helped you with something yeah i think one thing i i mean i mean now i i've i've i it's the past i accept it but one thing that i think used to stress me out during that time was when i moved without having secured a, pl a job or mm. ha having a plan i i beat myself up for it for because i gave into the pressure of people <laughs> yeah. you know um, people's opinions uh you know we malawi is a tight-knit community generally and as much as it's helpful sometimes it can be the toxic mm -hmm. uh, and i think the pressure was even on my parents uh i think people telling them now she has to move to be with her husband like i wasn't even given the chance to say hey yes yeah. i'm getting married but give us six months <laughs> yeah. to try and secure something before i go it was like no you know you go yeah. you know um you know if you're married then you've decided you want to be married and i didn't have i didn't even stand up for myself to say no i have a plan and it mm. was never the pressure from my partner it was the pressure of people you know uh, aunties and yeah random people from church or <laughs> well, not random but yeah people within the community so yeah i, I somehow i a, a different situation materialized mm -hmm. uh where now i sort of had time to redeem myself from that yeah so i think uh the time when uh my husband decided to pursue a phd mm -hmm. and uh you know he had been trying and trying to look for scholarships and nothing happened and so he but he knew it was like i need to go for it so we decided to say okay what we do is go and start you know he had talked to some of his friends go and start in sa he secured a, a space 
His parents mm. were based in SA in South Africa. Uh, SA South Africa, if I should yeah, say the whole thing. Yeah. So his parents were in South Africa and his friends were like, hey, when you start, you find easily have access to bursaries mm. uh, as you go along, but the key is to find something to start. So at that time we we were like, okay, he's an academic, so it's crucial for him to to grow you know in his career he he needed to pursue his phd so we sold our car we talked to our parents mm. and that so you know i had i since i wasn't employed at the time i was like okay i moved back home we sold our car to get some of the money to start his registration and his first fees yeah. and he i remember the first year also went to stay at his parents house because the university was in the same in pretoria and that's where his parents lived. So they're like, okay, we'll support you in this way. And so this time our parents supported us, you know, and obviously it meant I was in Malawi and he was in South Africa. Hmm. Now, I think, you know, this time our parents didn't uh, fall for the pressure. Now ran literally random people. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, how come you're here, <laughs> you know? I don't know, and I, I'm I'm a very some call me naive. Uh, I I grew up in a bubble, I guess, so yeah. I, I I don't always read people's ulterior motives quickly, yeah. you know. So at first I'll be like, oh no, we have a plan. He's gone to do his PhD, self-sponsored. So you know, I moved back home, and he's living. He's at his parents doing his PhD, and then later. People like, are you sure it's about the PhD? I've never heard of a PhD where the family doesn't go. You know, is this marriage still there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, you know, that's playing on your mind, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but this time, I think I was like, you know what? This this sounds familiar. This was like the time where people like, you have to, you're married. If you don't mm. go, then why? What? What's the point of being married? And you know, this narrative of yeah. You should basically look at your person or else someone is going to snatch him or whatever. Yeah. So that same thing happened. And I was like, listen, guys, you know, if, if you know, I, I, I am no one's keeper. And if that's what you guys do, that's your issue. But we have a plan and, you know, just shut up <laughs> mm. and, you know, um, yeah. we, we're going to get on with it. And I think uh, people those you know were surprised after he'd finished and like oh so this was true and mm -hmm. but uh i had time to redeem myself um yeah, yeah so wow um, you, you you touch upon uh very important topics there which uh a lot of people especially from malawi will actually relate to like like you talked about uh, especially you know being young and growing up a lot of the stuff that you're doing is influences from people around you like the yeah. parents and uh, you're feeling this uh, you know meeting someone and getting married that everyone the driving force is that you should leave your job and go and uh, stay with the husband and, and all of those even uh, when he decided to stay and he went to SA, you know, South Africa, all these um, people knew that, uh, you know, maybe he's doing something there. So it's quite a, a, a sort of difficult balancing act, especially for a young person to digest all of that and grow yeah. in, 
in that environment. But it uh, sounds like uh, your career did really well. You know, you had um, uh, certainly the second time when it happened again. You were, I'm sure you probably had uh, moments where you were also thinking, oh, it, <laughs> could this be true? It's like, uh, you know, what if it happens? And then people come and say, oh, we told you so, and all these kind of things. You know? I mean, no, definitely, I think, uh you know you're only human if you're an mm. environment where people are constantly planting seeds yeah. or images and ideologies around you you know there's only so it's like a cult mm -hmm. normal people can get you know drawn into a cult if they take you away from reality and all you're bombarded is with yeah. their with their cultic um mm. ideologies so it 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 sometimes it would make you angry and i remember sometimes let's say uh let's say i call him and he doesn't answer and those things you know would pop up what if and then you're just angry and you'll be like ah, what's going on but i think this time round mm -hmm. uh the support i got from my close friends mm. you know my 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 parents my my dad my mom. Mm. Uh, I also sometimes I highlight my dad. My dad is a typical African dad, mm. you know, but he was like on the forefront, like, yes, you know, I see now now leave these kids alone. You know, yeah. they're trying to they're trying to make something of their own. And yes, she's here. Yeah. So um also on his part, I mean, I guess for them they've lived, they were outside, so they didn't get that. But me being mm. in Malawi yeah um i think uh and you know having those key people constantly remind me like no there's a plan in place so then eventually all these people who didn't matter because i was like i'm mm -hmm. not living in their house i'm not eating their food but it yeah. got to a point where even when i go to church i'd quickly you know after church is finished i'd quickly go to my car because all the time chit chat was where's your husband why are you here <laughs> <laughs> you know so it got yeah it did get to me but yeah. um mm. this time around i think the support was there and yeah, yeah those are challenges i think mm. a lot of young people do face um yeah. back home yeah absolutely i'm sure people can pick up a, a lot of lessons from there because most of these times the people who are you know, bombarding with these messages and things. They are not they are not in there with you. They no. The full picture. They don't understand the vision and what you're trying to build. So uh, it's, you know, if you get distracted with that, you may end up destroying your, your plan and your vision. Oh, yeah. With people who, you know, have nothing yeah. to do with what you're, what you're looking for. So it's important to sort of uh, drive your own agenda in a way that, uh, that that suits you. I mean, it's all right to um, listen for, you know, advice if it's constructive in a way, things that can help you drive you and move your agenda. But uh, otherwise, most of it is just noise. So it's, it's important, yeah. I guess, for especially young people to actually learn and understand that, you know. Uh, you know, instincts, if you have instincts of something that you're building and you're on your path, because the external environment, there are things that will happen which you can't control. I mean, 
you know, yeah. if uh, your your husband is gonna do something, you know, that is outside of your control. It's not. It's not your. It's, it's, yeah. You know, yeah. And in, in most cases, it tends to be the person anyway. If someone is gonna do something, whether it's, it's, it's a choice, that, or, or he's with you in Malawi, it doesn't make a, a difference. So it's um it's those sort of more sophisticated understanding and thinking of, yeah. of what what things really mean and and stand for and what the outcomes are and once you begin to understand that you find that you're progressing in a way in your level of understanding humanity and how um people behave and how things could be so it sounds like uh, you got to grasp that at, at uh, you know earlier on and stuck to your guns which is really good okay yeah yeah um yeah, and, and it's it's healthy as a person in a relationship. You know, it's everyone is responsible for themselves. Yeah. Um. Uh. I think one useful piece of advice my mom would. Oh, I think there was a proverb in Chichewa where they say, uh, basically it it translates to even on the same mat. You know, mm. the person's on the same mat with you. You just look away and you hear. Ah, you know they've done something that side and you're like how i was looking at the, you know he was right here so um it's it's i think yeah. it's uh also unhealthy for one to you know try and police someone a grown adult mm. um so i think for us it's uh you know it made me reflect to say okay in this relationship i mean it's nice to know someone has made a choice every day they make a choice to be with you not because you're forcing them or you're threatening yeah. them or, you know so it made me yeah it, i had to grow up and you know uh, i think it also brought i think also for him he appreciated that yeah in my own i had the confidence at, i remember we had a party when he just graduated with his friends and they're like this guy studied because you didn't stress him out. <laughs> yeah. You know, you weren't calling him and stressing him. And, yeah. wow. and I was like, wow, people notice those things. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, some things which, uh, you know, maybe sometimes people just take for granted, you know, the, but those bits that make a big difference, you know, in terms of uh, concentration and immersing oneself in uh, the task that's at hand, you know, so. That's uh, you know fair deals to you. So, what then uh, happens after that? Take us through what happened there and the journey to come to the UK. So yeah, so when he went to his PhD, um, I think I started also doing a pursuing a postgraduate in HR. Mm -hmm. I think he he was also like nudging me. I think it kept me busy, and. Uh, you know, luckily enough, our graduations were literally days apart. Yeah. So we did his the same month, and then and literally the the venues were like very close by. Wow. So it was so it was a meaningful trip when we went for his graduation. It was for him and also for myself. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. So uh, when I went to the long way, uh, I remember I was I just finished my exam for that that first year uh or the first semester rather not first year so um i was i was uh with my friends and you know having a chat about what we want to do in the future and 
a friend of mine called me and says, hey, are you looking for a job? You know, <laughs> I was like, yeah, sure. They're like, oh no, you know, so I think that week I had an interview at Standard Bank mm-hmm. um, where I, while uh, he was away, I started working at Standard Bank as a personal assistant to the chief executive. Yeah. Uh, that also was a very interesting experience, I think. Um, uh, I think this guy also opened up my my mind to possibilities and uh, things. So I, I worked there for about how long? From 2016, so almost three years. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I worked for Standard Bank for three years um, under a very transformational uh, chief executive. Um, uh, I think he's someone that. You know, definitely for to write a book, he'd be in it. Uh, he was always pushing and motivating, yeah. and he always said, well, "I think when I went in, some people would look." Another thing about Malawi, people would look down on it to say, "You you went to uni? Why are you someone's secretary?" Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, <laughs> you know, this came up and stuff." But I think it also again. You know, you start second guessing yourself. And he, I remember, used to send me like um, links about this is Obama's personal assistant. He's got two mm-hmm. master's degrees and this, this, this. Yeah. You know, this job is what you make it. You know, you're in a very, you're well positioned. You're like literally my left hand man. You know, mm-hmm. you have access to the bank and if you do well in this career, you can put yourself anywhere. Anywhere. In anywhere in the bank. And it made me look at things differently and take pride in my in my in my job. So mm. yeah, I think uh, meeting this person also made me think like, okay, because you know, I I was also a very shy person mostly and you mm. know, made me see, okay, you can look at things differently and make the most out of you know, uh, different situations. So, um, yeah, I was, I worked there for some three years and I think once, uh, Chico was done with his PhD and, you know, we're like, okay, what's next? Uh, uh, that's when the opportunity came for us to come to, to England. Mm -hmm. Uh, so at that time, I think, my boss that I found there had also moved on, and yeah. uh, the one that was there, he was all right, but you know he was a bit old school, and the job became stagnant for yeah. me. <laughs> so, yeah, when this opportunity came, I was like, okay, guys, peace. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll see you, and uh, that's when we moved here in uh, 2018 mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. with the family. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and but this time the move was, you know, exciting. Uh, I've always wanted to come here. Um, I remember joking with my mother-in-law some years back about, oh, I've always wanted to go to England and have access to Europe. I was like, I'm going to do my Euro holiday at some point, yeah. <laughs> you know. For, yeah, but I'll just dream up things like that. Um, yeah. I think my 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 journey is not just career oriented mm-hmm. but it's 
life experience oriented life experiences yeah yeah, yeah I, I love experiences i think i always say whatever i end up in but i want to travel i want to see things yeah you know mm. yeah so i think uh we came here uh settled in we had our two young kids um one that first the first one was six at the time and mm -hmm. the second one had just turned one yeah um yeah so i think in 2019 so we came at the end of 2018 so around yeah. november spent christmas mm -hmm. uh 2019 i started working at a hotel here yeah a front office job um so it was interesting my first england job <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh yeah and uh i think that's when in when was this in may so it was towards the, the beginning of the year yeah. where i i had noticed i think that's when my cancer journey also now started oh. where uh, i had a lump and i thought you know i was rough playing with my kid and i was mm. like hey let me just have it checked you know yeah <laughs> you know and uh i think uh may i made an appointment with a local gp mm. Was it, yeah, I think May and then June, I went to the big hospital and that's when, uh, towards the end of June, I went to the yeah hospital and then July is when I got my diagnosis. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so, yeah, that was a lot because I was like, I've just come here. Yes, wow. Yeah. So yeah. Must have been a lot of uh, mixed uh, emotions there, you know, the excitement of coming here to start a new life. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you had your dreams and visions of eventually coming to live in this country. Yeah. And then, you know, boom, you've got this challenge in your hands. So, yeah, t take us through your emotions and the feelings and what was going on at, at the time. Yeah. Um, I think the the first time when i when i went to the hospital mm. i think yeah i went there the first time i think it was yeah i think that's when they did the the biopsies and things mm -hmm. or oh, that i think that was the second time i don't remember mm. uh and then they're like oh your results will be out in a week or something but i think during the process of you know the biopsies they scan it was like oh you know, there's a lump, but there's more. And I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> Why do I have more lumps? Mm. They're like, okay, we'll take this, this, and that, uh, just to be sure, and then you'll get your results. Um, you know, usually they'll, I think in the post, or, or we'll call you or something, or we'll call you for your, your results appointment. Mm. So um, uh, I think, they called i think the, they're like oh just come back in a week so within a week i i just didn't go because a part of me was like mm, do i want to go i'm not ready yeah. then they called me why are you not here i'm like mm -hmm. oh was i supposed to be there it's like oh no they're like okay next week you have to be here so i was i remember sitting in the waiting room i was like hmm i think there's something there yeah so uh, i was with my husband and our youngest uh, 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 the other one was in school mm. and uh, my son, he was, you know, 
being a child, I guess, was being fussy. So my husband was somewhere else in the hospital, you know, mm. taking walks with him. So I went uh, by myself into the consultation room. Yeah. And that's when the 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 nurse is there and the the consultant is there and they're like, So, you know, did you come alone? I was like, No, I came with my husband. And they're like, Do you want someone to be here with you? And I'm like, That sounds bad. <laughs> mm. wow. So I'm like, Okay. So I just called my husband. I was like, Hey, can you come? You know? He's like, mm. Okay, but I'm far. I was like, Okay, fine. So I was like, Oh no. Then I told the, the consultant, go ahead. And that's when they told me also, we looked at your biopsies and things and the radiologist uh, had some concerns. So after we examined it, we found that uh, you have cancer, they're, they're cancerous. Mm. And, and I'm like, wow, <laughs> I think now I'm feeling the emotion I got like, wow. I'm very, I'm someone who laughs or, you know, giggles when I'm, uh, Mm. uh anxious or you know with yeah. something surprising like this mm. uh comes up so I, I i was like oh wow you know and i smiled you know but mm. i was in shock mm. at that time and they're like no breathe and whatnot so i'm like no tell me what you need to tell me yeah so this person's like no we found it um you've got i think there were four lamps Mm. um around the whole breast and uh, some one of them close to my lymph nodes under my armpit yeah. and um uh but they're like well we'll have to do further tests just to make sure it's you know hasn't spread because it looks like it's not it was i think a stage three or yes a stage three but yeah. a, not a very aggressive one so it was mm. growing but you know since it was just sitting there untreated it was growing but it, something needs to be done yeah. so they're like okay so i think you know they're explaining all these things i think the rest was going through one year coming out the other mm. uh, then eventually my husband came and uh i'd gone to another room with a breast nurse who now uh explained this to him and i was yeah. just looking at him and he just looked deflated yeah wow so that was the least thing and um yeah i remember walking out of the consultation room like hey you know they look like they've had a plan because yeah. they were you know they're like okay we found it we have a course of action we have to take you know measures by this time you know not more not not more than a month should go by, we have to start treatment. Mm. So yeah, I think we went home and they told us this, so we need to get help. You know, we've got small kids. So yeah. Yeah. first thing we did when we got home is call our moms. We called, we called my mom, we called yeah. his mom and yeah, we, we told them like, Hey, um, this yeah. is what happened. Yeah. So it was a lot. <laughs> yeah, I can I can imagine quite emotional stuff, you know, like you said, with the young kids to, to look at as well. And then being faced with what was going to be like a, a journey ahead of you, you know, that yeah. journey. 
Okay, so did, did the um, treatment start straight away? What, what happened? Yeah, so after that, I think my, my, so my treatment started with a mastectomy. So hmm. I was scheduled to have a mastectomy in August. Um, uh, and I think, yeah, so we had literally like four weeks to get someone here, visas and tickets. Yeah. So since my mother-in-law is in South Africa and, you know, the Malawi visas are processed there anyway, we, we figured it would be quicker for her to get her visa and come here first. Yeah. Yeah. So, so at least we started the, the process with hers and uh, yeah, it, it, I think uh, she came a week after I had my surgery. So. Mm. Luckily, her visa literally came out in three days, and then yeah. wow. you know, weekend comes, hop on a plane, <laughs> and, and here. she was here. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I think, uh, yeah, it, things are happening so fast. You know, you know, you mm. think, okay, uh, obviously, back home, I remember, um, you know, my mom telling me how my dad was busy googling hospitals that treat cancer and then yeah. she's like you know and it's like maybe she should go to india maybe she should do this and then she, my mom's like she's in england <laughs> she's yeah. she's fine oh yeah. you know, she's in a place where you know she, the treatment is there yeah. Yeah. yeah on top of that i'm waiting for my other results uh my scans you know uh, funny, strangely enough, when they said, "Oh no, it's 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 localized area," it was like a relief. Yeah, yeah. a big relief. Like, oh, okay. Mm. But uh, yeah, I think at that, I think between even I think between the diagnosis and my operation, so much was happening. I had to tell my workplace, and I hadn't been confirmed because I just started. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like you know, and I remember calling the 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 assistant manager who was on duty i was like hey can i talk to you mm. oh so by the way um i will have to leave for some time uh mm. i have cancer <laughs> so oh. i have an operation in the next two weeks and he was like shocked like oh, oh okay so, yeah so mm. things happen so fast so I, to, to be honest between my diagnosis and um operation i didn't really have time to yeah process it myself mm. my focus was on who can we get how we're going to sort out the kids husband has to get some time off work yeah you yeah. know before my op do i need to do some meals for the family or you know it was yeah all uh, the logistics the log yeah, yeah yeah instead of me how am i dealing with it i think yeah I think it hit me closer to the up where it's like, oh, you're going mm -hmm. going to go through this just now. So yeah, yeah, that must have been a really really hard. I mean, did you have a like much support network within here in the UK? Like uh, other um, like uh, Malawians around or any other charities or even? Or... Um. I think uh, I told one of my friends here mm. uh, who lives about an hour and a half away, but I think to be honest, mm. at that time, I still hadn't made 
um, like close friends. Yeah, yeah. For me to to share, but uh, eventually, because the chairperson of our community, he's a very vibrant Jova guy. Mm. We figured, you know what? Let's tell him this and his mm. wife. You know, they're the ones that welcomed us when we first came. Literally, when I landed, you know. Mm. Mm. So they're very nice people. So if we thought, just in case they notice, we've been out of touch. Yeah. yeah. I told my husband, like, just let mm. them know. Um, you know, this has happened. Um, you know, so yeah, I think they were very also supportive. Like, oh, if you need us to take your kids or yeah, yeah. Um, things like that. But yeah, the first, yeah, the, the support I think was there with the few people we had connected with. Mm. Um, I think I, yeah, but very few people that I told at that time or who had found out. I think maybe in our Malawi community, Liverpool community, maybe it was like just four people, yeah. two couples, pretty much who, who knew. One of them found out because uh, they know my mom from back home. Or, yeah. yeah, but uh, yeah, so no, people were helpful, but um, the charities and things maybe much later is when I knew about them, uh, mm. uh, the, the things that the, the programs they have and things. Uh, but I think at the beginning was mostly the medical aspect when after my surgery, uh, yeah. Yeah. the district nurses that will come to the house, mm. um, the appointments back at the ho yeah, hospital. But uh, yeah, just enough time to heal. But um yeah i think i was quite impressed with the care anyway the care no that, that's good that's good yeah yeah mm. um, but I, I i guess with these things there's just so much to think about isn't it you know when, when you're faced with these kind of challenges because obviously your husband as well his work you know how much time the work can give him and who can give him for providing support as well and then the financial issues around that as well so oh, everything yeah. just comes into into play as to how oh, yeah yeah no definitely i think the financial part i think mm. for me also put me in a panic because i was like no i can't work yeah. <laughs> you know and you know having to bring people like to get tickets and process visas all of a sudden mm. you haven't planned for it yeah you know um it it it's money and i think because we were new we were not sure about okay you know how do credit cards work you know yeah. we didn't know you know yeah. we were just told credit cards are bad don't use them it's only now we're learning oh this thing called credit score like literally now you know but but uh back then you know we we were still settling in so uh, I think one thing that weighed heavily on me was the, the financial aspect. Uh, I tried not to talk about it much because I was like, if I stress, my friend will stress, Yeah. you know? Um, uh, yeah, you, and also being that we're not uh, from here, yeah. we, we wouldn't have any access to any public funds. Mm. Uh, yeah. So pretty much on your own and yeah, yeah. I think 
uh, uh, yeah, I think coming from as much as coming from a African background, uh, you're still trying to build yourself up and we just come. So money was a big issue, a uh, mm. concern like, you know, how are we going to handle this? So, yeah, yeah. but um, I think at some point you're just like, oh, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of those times you have to balance what's more important because there's uh, issues of our life and, and all sorts of things going on. Yeah. So it's, it must be quite a very difficult, difficult time. But uh, you seem to have uh, handled it with the same humility that is reflective of you and your your character and the, the way you are as as uh, as things progressed. You know. So um, yeah. So um, I guess um, now I mean before sort of going on to what what happened after as well i mean is there again looking back is there is there things that you would have learned or would have liked to work in a particular way or lessons that maybe you could have done differently just for like people who may find themselves in a similar situation like in terms of advice of how they can handle the situation um yeah i think um you know how you've put that having mm. been diagnosed here mm. there's uh you know as much as you're going through something with so much information you're learning everything mm. this there is so much information yeah. available mm. to you from how to handle your finances or you know give you a certain perspective of things but you know so many uh mm. things uh that that uh to help you and then later on you get to learn of the charities and build relationships with people and things but um i think for me uh being a malawian mm -hmm. one thing that kept me positive throughout this process was back home i've never seen this type of info available <laughs> wow. you know it, mm -hmm. it it's just not there so whilst i was getting a grips of uh grasping this whole situation there was stuff available around me you know once you know i you know relaxed and a minute i could say okay i can go here to get this i can call a number um get some websites and platforms or just talk to a, a nurse a random business because maybe I, you know the one i'm with i haven't develop mm. much of a relationship with yet but you could pick up the phone oh these are my concerns i feel like this and they'll talk to you you know yeah. um so at the end of the day the stuff is there it's just you know when you're ready or once the dust has settled yeah <laughs> you can know where to look and pick and also meeting people you make relationships with fellow patients you mm. know uh, so you, you, you have that um, access to information and keep each other positive yeah. Uh, yeah. throughout your process. And I think for me, the major thing was like, which kept me grounded was like, okay, fine. I can't work at the moment and 
you know, it's messed up our money issue for a bit. But mm. imagine if this was at home. Would you have even <laughs> had access to this, you know? Yeah. You know, uh, I mean, here, uh, they've done the hospital part, you know, they have their protocols in place, but they also know that there's the social part and they feel they still need to work on it. Yeah. Because yeah. um, cancer is not a take a pill, go home. It's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a whole process of treatment. It's not a one-stop shop. And mm -hmm. it, I, going through it, I realized that it's, it's a lot, you know, to get through the treatment. It's, it affects you not just physically, mentally, it's, it, everything. And they try, but home, even the hospital part, the medical part, we don't have it. Um, mm -hmm. uh, so it, we, we haven't grasped that yet. And mm -hmm. cancer back home, even when people got to know, I think, especially it's this year when my sister died and I couldn't go home, I was doing my chemo. Mm. And people are like, oh, why didn't the sister come? Then obviously, you know, the cat was out the bag. Oh, she's going through treatment. You know, people had this view of you lying on a mat somewhere, rotting or, yeah. you know what I mean? This image, mm -hmm. you know, because cancer back home is, when they say you have cancer, it's usually the extreme. It's, it's now metastatic, it's physically manifested in your body. Yeah. you know in in a way that people can see and that's the extreme end mm. you know of it um and mm. so that's what people would imagine uh yeah. that the state you're in and you realize oh my gosh people have i i learned a lot i didn't okay the references i had were from movies Mm. You know, obviously they have the patient in the bed, which, yeah. you know, I, I shouldn't say it's exaggerated. Cancer is bad, but it, it, it's a it's a process, I guess, for the everyone else. They need to show you also the essence of it. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, back home, people have no idea. Uh, like mm. I was healthy. I didn't, you know, even during my diagnosis, I remember getting looks like you're so young, Yeah. you, you know, all the boxes do you do you smoke no are you of a certain age no are you overweight no you know like yeah. you don't tick any of the boxes but you have it yeah. you know yeah so yeah. i think back home for people to realize you're f walking talking not feeling anything and especially like breast cancer because the breast is not a, mm. a major organ it's just it's yeah. like a piece of fat so yeah. you, it doesn't affect anything unless it's now become metastatic mm. Um, yeah, you could be walking, talking, everything, but anyone can ha have it. Yeah. Um, and I think back home, I was, this thing that it, we, we really need a cancer hospital, not a little center attached yeah. to our already overwhelmed hospitals. We need mm -hmm. a whole hospital because, you know, it's there. It's more common than you think it's there and early diagnosis is needed you know um and awareness also for people to realize you know it's it's not you don't have to reach the extreme for you to mm -hmm. know you have it yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 let's just get checked let's get, you know get checked yeah right. yeah so I mean, for for you, did it uh, bring up issues of mortality and maybe 
made you review the priorities of life and your values and the future? How did it make you feel? Um, yeah, I think the first time, the first, when I first got diagnosed, I think it's like, oh, my children, <laughs> mm. you know, um, what's going to happen to them? Um, but uh, I think I decided not to dwell in it too much. Mm. Um, then, yeah, eventually I think, I mean, you know, sometimes uh, you feel like after going through this, some big light bulb moment happens or, mm. but then after this, I was like, yeah, I, I don't mind just living and quietly yeah. being grateful for living in my quiet way, man, mm. you know, and not everyone is going to become an activist after yeah. going through this. Some people just want to get on with it. Yeah. Mm. Um, I think, uh, but I think that funny enough, the triggering fact thing for me, because yeah, I think mostly I was going to just get on with it after that, mm. you know, and say, okay, let's see what it, where it takes us. I think what triggered me to say, hey, maybe I want to do something about it is when my, my sister passed, um, mm. not cancer, but just suddenly at a very young age. Mm. Um, the shock of, oh my goodness, <laughs> you know, mm. uh, I, I think I was like, maybe, to, you know, she was a very outgoing person and I was like, maybe to also honor her legacy yeah let me you know maybe i should speak out bring awareness mm. uh but then again like i said i felt like okay just talking about it like on my facebook mm. um is not enough but I, mostly i'm an instagram person <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah you know but i think my my plan is i've always wanted to after my going through my treatment, I was like, I'd want to be part of an, a program where there's capacity building uh, for the people back home to treat yeah. this, you know, this, this uh, disease properly, uh, to have for the government to realize that it's an urgent matter, you know, yeah. it, it's to know, to realize that it's more, it's a lot, that yeah. was in it and mm. we need to do something about it and i want yeah. to be behind that 100 percent, you know um mm. and then i'll proudly shout up shout on the rooftop and say hey uh, you know this is me but knowing i've done something like that i don't know how but sometimes mm. they say talking about it you manifest it manifests absolutely i mean most most of these things that i think that's uh where for, for most people, they don't get to take action because they don't feel they know the how. But it's all about the process. It's the, it's the how, how you're turning up yourself in terms of the message, even just talking to people. Because eventually the how works itself out because you yeah. don't know who you're going to be talking to. You don't know who they know or what they know or the networks they have and how they can actually help you bring that message to light as well so it, it is a, an important aspect that you're saying that don't worry about the how but just have your vision and what you're trying to achieve and just talk to people and you'll find that the, the how will eventually 
find itself out. So it's uh, it's quite a um, a noble um, gesture to have on your part because you've got a story behind you that you you can tell, having experienced it, having through it, people can relate to it, and also raising that awareness can actually protect people in terms of. Uh, go and get checked early so that it's detected early, not before they actually fall uh, sick and become, uh, you know, uh, higher levels that they are not treatable any, uh, anymore, and it's quite difficult for them to uh, to actually uh, get uh, get rid of it. So that that's uh, uh, quite a, a noble cause. So, like I say, just raising the awareness and eventually. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, also, as you said, the awareness is, I think now, uh, I, I figured, I was like, hey, one of the things, like, me going through it, I was like, um, for a black person, there are mm -hmm. not a lot of stories out there as black people, and I think there's a myth in the black community, not just mm -hmm. Malawian, but general black community where Cancer is not a black, a yeah. black people disease. We don't mm. have it. So I was like, I think the more of us who come out, because I guess culturally we ha we don't talk about disease, yeah. you know, and illnesses. Mm. Uh, so I was like, maybe yeah, just maybe I should just talk about it, so people should know. Hey, I know someone. Like, you know, we have some of the activists back home, but she's like just one person. But yeah. if there's more of you who like I have I've had it or I have it or I'm in the middle of battling it, people realize, oh my goodness, this thing is, yeah. you know, it's not far from home. It can happen to anyone. Yes, because they are seeing it's happening to ordinary people they can relate to, you know. So yeah. that show crazy that awareness that, oh, you know, I'm not unique. You know, there's also you know my mortality to think about. So maybe. I should do A, B, C, D, and maybe even them, they can also start raising their awareness as well. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So so I think uh, most, like now for the first time, I posted on my Instagram yeah. about, about it. Um, excuse me. Mm. Um, not the, I just, you know, it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Mm. So I put, hey, you know, uh, I, I had it and um here i am today and mm. yeah it, 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 i have a small following my my account is private yeah. um but i was you know just testing the waters to see yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. big, big big things big movement yeah. everything starts small it always starts yeah. with a, a small step you know yeah yeah i was reading a story about a a woman who walked there's some large distance in America from one place to another, I think thousands of kilometers, but an older woman. And when they ask her how she did, she did it, you're just saying, you know, it's just uh, the first step. You take a step and then the yeah. next So if you think of it as just a step and another step and another step, if you keep doing those steps, you can walk the world even because yeah. the next moment is just a step. But when you over time, when time happens, when you look at how many steps it's been, you know, that, that's how, you know, people build things by small building blocks. If you look at buildings, houses, they're just small. Small bricks, bricks on top of each other. Yeah. 
Making yeah. big. So that that's all you, you, you can do. Like I mean here coming on this podcast, you know, it will go out. Some people will pick it up, they will listen and they will oh relate to something you said and then maybe they'll uh jump on the bandwagon of your movement and eventually you never know. So just like we said, the how doesn't matter, just keep going on with your message, you know. That's yeah. the key important important part. Okay. All right. Yeah. So we touched upon quite a, a number a of things. things. Just to, to touch on um you mentioned about your your sister. So before we, we get on to um um like you know what happened with your cancer and up up to now where you are. Um I mean if you're comfortable to share a bit more about your sister and, and and what happened because i remember i think there was a it was a, certainly quite a shock to a lot of the community how things happened and there yeah. were a lot of stories about what really happened and various reports and autopsies and all of this so i'm not sure actually people got to grips with the whole thing because it was quite a shocking moment for someone so young and things just happened in a space of a short period of time when people are gone just like that. So, um, yeah, it must have been just to add to what you were going through, that big shock as well of a sister. Talk us through through that. Maybe take us, you know, how you got to know it and what what's the reality of what happened and, and so on, if that's okay. Okay, so it was beginning of the year, I mm. think, the third or fourth of January. Mm. So we had just gotten into this 2020. Yeah. Um, and uh, I remember I was with uh, my husband on, uh, on the living room on a Friday evening and someone called him, you know, a, a more of an acquaintance, not a friend that, you know, he talks to or that, you know, per, you know, one on one, you know, on the phone, maybe if they meet, yes, but yeah. So it was strange. So he says, ah, Derek's sister is in the hospital. Do her parents know? And she seems like she's not in a good condition. Mm. And he's like, oh, okay, let me find out. So Chico looked like, you know, this guy is calling me. This sounds bad. Uh, and uh, so we tried to call. I call my my other sister who was at home. So my sister, I have... So my, uh, the second born was at home. She was the last born, the one mm. that passed. Mm. And, uh, you know, she was out with friends. They were at her boyfriend's house. Uh, you know, just, I think at the end of the day, went for a chat. And, uh, you know, so I think they were, uh, when they were leaving, so I think her friend was the one uh, driving who drove them there they mm -hmm. were coming out of the house and it was in the dark and a snake bit her mm. uh, so when she got when the snake bit her they're like at first she it was in the dark so she thought it was like a rat she stepped on a rat or something mm. she didn't realize that so she was just out there chatting and then later on it started to sting or so and then she's like ah guys you know uh you know no she think i think she thought she just stepped on it or something 
but it didn't mm. bite her. Then she saw later on she saw the sting the, the of it. And then they're like, ah, let's go to the hospital to have it checked. And they the the they went to the hospital to a local clinic nearby and she was fine. She they were sitting in the waiting room 20 minutes. So mm. no did, did, did the friends see the snake at the time? Yeah, uh, they they, they managed to find the snake and they the the they killed it and carried it with. Hmm. You know, but other than that, they didn't uh, carry out any first aid uh, protocols of any sort. So she was sitting there in the waiting room with the boyfriend, um, and uh, you know, waiting for assistance. And it wasn't taken as emergency. Hmm. And then later on, I think after 30 minutes, they were seen. So between the snake bite and actually getting treatment, maybe an hour could have passed. Mm. Mm. And then when they were giving her the medication, that's when things started to go south. You know, uh, she started, you know, like convulsing and stuff. Mm. Then they said, ah, this is strange and they mm. sent her off in an ambulance to the central hospital mm. uh, that's where my parents uh and on her way there she called my mom i said mm. ah ma i'm not feeling well mm. i'm on my way to central hospital so my mom and my dad were on their way to meet them there at the central hospital mm. uh, and then that's where she passed um now Obviously, this thing, all sorts, you know, uh, you know, even the time I was calling my sister at home, she she didn't know what was happening. I was like, ah, do you know Kotana is the hospital? She didn't know. Mm. And then I guess some hours later, I remember my cousin called me and she's like, I don't know. I, don't know. I called my, I was trying to call my mom, but my cousin answered it. So I was like, why is she asking my mom's phone? I was like, ah, where's mom? Oh, no, they're on their way home or blah, blah. I was like, ah, what's happening? How's Kotana? Ah, no, no. Then in the background, my mom um, burst out crying. She's gone, you know. Mm. Yeah, so that happened, I think, from the time we got that call. Within a period of two hours, all this happened. Yeah. So, yeah, it was shocking. It was yeah it was everything mm. um you know that one can go through mm. and then you know the funeral happened and then that's when now you know adding salt to the the wound this mm. whole thing came out oh this is fishy she was poisoned mm. apparently yeah the autopsy but you know people of the medical fraternity mm. had debunked and said this is not how a scientific report is written yeah you know and this looks fishy this particular person who wrote that autopsy you know wrote something similar for someone else and literally copy and pasted yeah. Yeah. a lot of the info which was suspicious anyway the verdict is out you know i think no one is out for well my family anyway it's a lot to deal with mm. they didn't want to pursue that mm. 
but now the thing was they said she was poisoned and obviously her friends were being blamed for it and her boyfriend and they were you know they were locked up for for about almost a month mm. so the friends that were at the house and the boyfriend so it's maybe about four of them yeah, yeah. so yeah it, if the final verdict of the case just came out i think mm last month mm-hmm. you know when there was no evidence of you know was it wasn't there like a, a second autopsy because I, I remember seeing uh, some yeah, yeah. Uh, they, the one of the friends's team was saying let's exhume the body to conduct another autopsy mm uh but then you know they managed not to and found, just took the samples that this guy I've should taken. have taken uh i'm not sure of the nitty-gritties but whatever they took was enough to say to debunk this theory of her being poisoned hmm. if they found anything else i'm not sure i think i decided not to follow the nitty-gritties closely yeah of the case i was not ready um, was, was wasn't there some report or was that the autopilot mentioned something about Temek or something like that? Yeah, so that was the first one, the 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 one that made got the friends arrested, and the one the one that they person they privately had done said mm. there was no no poison. Yeah. So that's what helped get these children out, these kids mm. out of trouble and um uh i mean obviously it it strained relations uh, mm. these were her friends very close you know one of them her childhood friends they grew up um mm. the case was not our family who who brought it up personally but mm. it was the state yeah we, but you know i i personally don't believe that her friends would have it didn't make sense you know even in a way being part of the process Mm. you know um i had no reason to believe that they were involved in anything malicious towards her and their private um uh uh private uh what's examination of the samples also proved that there was none of that so obviously i think you know now that might be another case on its own way that those people will be pursuing against maybe the state or the or the guy that did that i'm not sure yeah so you know it's the story is still going on um Yeah, yeah. I remember it did, it did gather quite a bit of uh, social media interest at the time, wasn't it? With a yeah. lot of uh, conspiracy theories flying here and everywhere. Yeah. Just, uh, I guess it was testament to just the shocking nature of how quickly things happened for what was such a young, vibrant life, you know? Yeah, also just the system, like, how much do you trust it or can you trust it but uh yeah it uh i'm glad that the friends are now mm. you know back home um uh yeah i think for them it was also traumatic 
Yeah. I, I traumatic yeah. experience. It will take time to, you know, mm. yeah. you know, yeah. try and figure that whole mess up out. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, this year has just been a lot, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I guess just uh, as we finish, you'll just take us through like your your treatment and then uh, where you are now and, and how things are developing. <clears throat> yeah, so uh, I did chemo. Um, how? Yeah, I did chemo. So I did about uh, six cycles of chemo. Mm -hmm. I think it was six. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, now, yeah, so my hair fell out, the whole shebang. Mm -hmm. But I, I didn't, you know, I'm, I'm happy I didn't get hospitalized. It was managed at home. Mm -hmm. It's a horrible experience, chemo, but, yeah. you know. And then uh, now I'm on uh, a juvent, they call a juvent hormone therapy. So it was a hormone-triggered cancer. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. So um, I'll be on that for the next five years. Yeah. Okay. Uh, just to suppress the estrogen and the post progesterone. Yeah. 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 And uh, on top of that, there are other little treatments they give you to counteract the side mm. effects of the main treatment. treatment. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah. So I hope, uh, yeah, I'm sure, because after the further tests, you're a bit clear of it for now. Yeah. So. The rest just checkups, and then you've got a like a follow up uh, um, operation to come. Yes, yeah. So a reconstructive um, operation. Yeah. Yeah. Which uh, I, I guess that was no biggie. Yeah. Uh, it's not urgent. Yeah. Um, but Whatever. just to mm -hmm. to make your life more as normal as possible, I suppose. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Thank you very much, Derek. It's uh, it's been quite uh, quite a journey for you, isn't it? You know, all the experiences you've been through you know, quite different to what you had uh, imagined yourself coming here. You will have all these experiences of traveling Europe and meeting friends and seeing the country, but then you had to be put on pause. And have oh, yeah, to... <laughs> so many times it's like, oh, I'm getting cancer, and then oh. This happens, and then oh, COVID. COVID as well, you know. So, but uh, you know, hopefully, there's uh, positive things to to come in the future because uh, it's all about life. Is life is like a journey, you know. You have these moments of uh, downs and ups and everything, but uh, you know, hopefully, there's uh, quite a lot of ups to to come. So, we'll be following your uh, your journey, your story. Hopefully, we can get to speak to you again, see how that's going. But um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, definitely. I think uh, yeah. and, small, uh, small yeah. pleasure. Um, and, and to follow your journey as well of your message you're putting out there to help other people to, uh, you know, get tested and raise that awareness as well. So yeah. Yeah, it, will be, it will be good if we can uh, help you with uh, anything with that and any people listening they can also do the same so thank you very much for today it's been a pleasure catching up with you and uh, i'm sure we'll speak again very soon thank you for having me <laughs> and uh yeah uh 
I, I was told I'd go through the emotions again, and I was like, wow, it's yeah. true. So thank you for having me. And yeah. this was, uh, yeah. Yeah. It, it was good for you to share, you know, what uh, some difficult emotions and things you went through. But, uh, uh, you know, I'm sure there'll be people who will relate to that and, and feel that they can also fight just the way that, that you did. And, and uh, I know keep going. So quite motivating. Thanks for that, Derek. Yeah. All right. Thank you, yeah. Alex. Thank okay. you. Bye. Have a nice afternoon. You, you too. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.